television personality, special musical guest Clifton Jansky, nationally recognized songwriter and performer. We'll have entertainment, outdoor sports vendors and demonstrations, thousands of dollars in door prizes, and all-you-can-eat dinner. It's only 30 bucks. On July 19th, doors open at 3 p.m. and dinner at 5. Program starts at 6. Amen. 
<laughs> I want you to know that the fish that you saw on that screen is a real fish. That's a bass, a big mouth bass. That's July the 19th. How many outdoorsmen do we have in here? Guys, just raise your hand, ladies, men, whoever. Good. Now, some of y'all don't have a life, but the rest of us, we're all right. I cannot recommend this enough to you. We'll be there. It's going to be a wonderful time. They're expecting 1,200 folks this year. And out in the Fellowship Mall, you can get some tickets now. We've been, we had, I don't know how fast they've gone, 150 uh, with at least $5 off for our people. So if you get the, you're, you're in the first come, first serve time, this is a great time to invite friends that you know love to fish, put them in their world that don't know Christ because that's what this whole event is all about. Bring the sportsmen together and tell them about Jesus Christ. So just to let you know, coming up, July the 19th. Now, do you understand all these uh, nice-looking people up here with dull shirts on? <laughs> do you all know what's coming up this week? What's coming up this week? Uh, that's right, VBS. What time does it start in the morning? Till what? 12.30. Do you know about Friday night? Friday night is very special. At 5.30, there's a big family uh, luau, <laughs> whatever they do. When they get, anyway, it's a great time. Come to eat. And then at 7.30, it's a very special program in here that's going to wrap up the whole week. And so we certainly want to invite you to do, be there and also just to be praying for the week and all that God wants to do. Now, you think I'm forgetting some folks, but I'm not. But there are two people you don't even know about yet. Vic and Susan Bauer have come back in for a while from Russia. Give them a big hand. Would you do that? <laughs> we love these people. Susan worked on the hall, just about right down the hall from me, right diagonally from my office and for years. And Vic, he's just been a member of the KGB for I don't know how long. <laughs> but uh, Vic and Susan have been over in Russia and, and oh, Umfa. Ufa, 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 okay, Ufa. Tell, tell us a little bit about what's been going on. That's right. We serve in Ufa, Russia. We're right on the edge of Siberia. Uh, we had 10 feet of snow last winter. But even colder than the weather and more than the snow, we serve where there are cold hearts. And there are less than 1% evangelical Christians. So please pray for us. Pray for the people we minister with. And... Uh, we're just, we don't do anything. When we saw Wayne, when we came back, he asked if we would come up and speak about what we do. But the truth is, Vic and I don't do anything. It's only God serving through us, living in and through us. We're just not capable as mere human beings. Uh, we minister largely in English, thankfully. Our Russian's pretty pathetic. Uh, we have English uh, groups in our home. We have English Bible studies. We have teams coming. Uh, sports evangel evan evangelical evangel <laughs> I can't say sports evangelism um, I'm so hung up on evangelical um, we do orphanage work uh, work with street ministries just a wide variety of things Vic can talk a little bit about what he does currently um, we work with um, some medical students and some doctors and um, Four of the medical students are graduating, and uh, three of them are pediatric uh, 
medical doctors and they need supplies and equipment pretty bad. And so with uh, some generous support and donations, we were able to buy some otophthalmoscopes. That's what they look in your nose and your eyes and your throat and your ears with uh, for the people graduating. And they'll be going back to their village for three years um, as an agreement with their village to put them through medical school and uh, stethoscopes. And uh, so we're going to give them as a graduation present for them uh, for medical school. It will be quite a surprise to them. Um, we also are running um, four um, English groups right now. And uh, we just started a little baby group of uh, English group with Vietnamese. So who would have thought in Ufa Bashkortostan that we would have Vietnamese people in our English classes. And then we have a Bible study going, which is uh, very, very good. And um, so we just, our, our official title is um, Creative Access Specialists. So we do whatever we can do to keep from getting arrested is, is basically <laughs> basically what, what it is. And then sometimes you get, get close. But uh, anyway. That's um, what, what we're doing. And I was, I was asked to say something in Russian, so I would say, Zraspatya, that's hello. Dobry utra, good morning. Ochin rat tibia vidyat, it's very nice to see you all. And spasiba, thank you. Don't go, don't go, don't go. I know something in Spanish. <laughs> Muy loco en la cabeza. No. <laughs> oh, we love these two. We just love them so much. And uh, Susan's had some health problems, and uh, this kind of delayed them going back. So let's just pray for her and for them. Uh, just, we're so proud of you. We thank the Lord, but we're proud of y'all. And you, you set a great testimony for us. And you know we love you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for Vic and Susan. And Lord, we thank you for how they've modeled exactly what we preach, just to say yes to you. And then, Lord, enjoy the journey. Thank you for what you're doing in them and through them. Even with Susan's testimony, Lord, it's so precious. It's not them. It's you. And, Lord, we do pray for her health right now. Lord, I pray that you just put your hand upon her. And the Father, that you just put your healing hand there. And, Lord, clear up all those things. They've got groups coming over. They've got so much ahead of them when they get back. And I just pray, Father... You and your divine wisdom and ability would work that out. Let them know every day, Father, that we love them, that being out of sight does not mean being out of mind. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Give them another hand. Would you do that? Okay. Next, you stand. Everybody stand. I haven't forgotten anybody. You stand. Turn around and find some visitors or somebody that needs to smile. They haven't smiled in four months.
Okay, thank you so very much. Now for the special guest. Dads, you know, 30 seconds a year is all we get. <laughs> but we're going to enjoy every minute of it. If you're a father, a grandfather, and as Ken Moore reminded me, because he's older than dirt, a great-grandfather, I want you to stand right now. Let's just stand. Let's give us all a hand. <laughs> now stay up. Stay up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, that's it <laughs> for 2008. <laughs> oh, listen, uh, by the way, anytime we mention a dad, grandfather, whatever, and we don't say there's a man here that's always wanted a family but does not have children, you are not in any way, in any shape or form, less loved by our Lord. He loves you just as much as those who do have children. Don't you ever feel out of place or anything else. This just happens to be a day that we recognize those whom God has assigned with that task of fatherhood, which is quite a task. So just wanted you to know that. Well, dads, we've got, we love you and uh, have something for you. I want to thank you, Dad, for always being there for me and teaching me that nothing is impossible. Thank you for never giving up on me, Dad. I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, being there, being at home. That really means a lot to me, so thank you for that. Thank you, Dad, for always being just across town, no matter how far apart we are. Thank you, Daddy, for teaching me right from wrong. Dad, thanks for coaching softball all those years and things going with me. Dad, I want to thank you for making me become the man I've always wanted to become. I just thank you that you're a dad that pointed me back to the Lord. I just, I'm grateful that you're in my life. Thank you for giving me the confidence to know that I can do whatever I want to do. Thanks, Dad, for teaching me never to give up. Thank you, Dad, for teaching me unconditional love. Thank my dad for showing me how to, how to have a caring heart. Thank you, Dad, for the times we've spent together. Thank you for being a giving person. Thank you, Daddy, for coming to every soccer game that I ever played. Thanks for when it snowed for the first time on the ranch, how you built snowmen with me. You taught me how to handle adversity. You taught me to stand up for what I believe in. You taught me how to drive. You taught me how to throw that perfect spiral. You taught me to love nature. You taught me to always let my conscience be my guide. You taught me to be a good husband. You taught me to be a person of honor. You taught me how to be a great father. You taught me to have confidence in myself. You taught me to love God and have lots of fun doing that. You taught me to never, ever, ever give up. You taught me how to survive in this crazy world. You taught me that there's nothing I can't do. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dad. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day.
Yeah. 
thousand tongues to sing His praise, to make much of our Abba Father today. Now that our hearts have been connecting with Him in praise, the Holy Spirit can help us express those, those responses of worship to Him in ways that honor Him most. The first thing the Holy Spirit desires to do is teach us, lead us into the loving embrace of the Father. The Word of God tells us that we have been given the spirit of sonship and we can cry, Abba, Father. In our language today, that would mean like saying, Papa God or Daddy. Now, that's not irreverence, but it's intimacy with the Father. He desires for us to be as little children and crawl upon His lap and say, Papa, Father. One of those loving acts of worship that we can express in our hearts is when we call to mind those attributes of His character with praise, like His holiness, His mercy, His faithfulness, his loving kindness. God has revealed himself to us as Jehovah Shammah, the God who's ever present. God has revealed himself as Jehovah Shalom, the God who is our peace, and Jehovah Rophe, the God who is our healer. And he wants us to express those as we worship him.
Would you be seated and just draw that imaginary circle around yourself as if nobody else were here. And we, we want to go in and talk to Abba, Father. If you're a believer here today, just go right into his presence right now. In the quietness and the stillness of these moments, go into his presence. and Thank him for being the perfect father in your life. Whatever's on your heart, you just share it with him. Ask him if there's anything in your life this morning that's grieving or quenching his spirit. Anything. Maybe an attitude you have towards someone. Maybe a sin that you've not confessed. Whatever. Ask him to reveal it to you. That's what his role is in your life, the spirit of God. And then confess it before him. Say, Lord, you're exactly right. That's bitterness or that's whatever it is. Call it what it is. He knows. You've already been forgiven. The cleansing comes as you seek it, as you ask him for it. And remember that repentance is not your promising to do better. Repentance is Jesus overcoming you. It's not victory is never you overcoming sin. You're not going to do that. It's Jesus overcoming you, just getting your focus back on him as the, as, as the essence of your life. So just let him deal real personally with you for a moment or two. As we prepare for our offering this morning, which is a time of worship, if you're visiting today and don't understand that, we believe that he owns it all, and we surrender and bow before him, and he tells us what he wants us to give. We have a few more weeks yet before the end of June, and that's the end of our fiscal year, and perhaps you'd like to just, Lord has something on your heart to give this morning and help us completely catch up. Maybe that's something God would tell you to do. I want you to know I'm very thankful to God. I'm so proud of you for how God's, you've allowed God to use you in giving this year. But it it's continues to go on. It's not like it's static. So just ask him right now, Lord, what do you want me to give? And I will do whatever you tell me, knowing that you enable anything you tell me to do. Father, as in the first service, you just made me so aware of the different garments that people have to praise you. I thank you again, Lord, in this service for people that love to clap, for people, Father, that shed tears, for people who just stand in silence, for people, Father, who raise their hands, for people, Lord, who express in whatever way you've gifted and, and given them the garment to express. Thank you, Father, we can just wear those garments to praise you. And Lord, we do praise you today. What a special day for Father's Day. We think of the fathers, Lord, that are on the, on the foreign field in Afghanistan and Iraq and other places and can't be with their families. And we lift them before you. We lift their families here at home. 
But Father, we want to thank you for being the perfect Father. Lord, so often we look at our fathers down here and sometimes their imperfections stare at us and Lord, we tend to think you're like that. But Father, we come to the Word and we find that you're the perfect Father. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for sending your Son to die for us. And Lord, as we take up this offering this morning, it's just an expression of our worship to you. It's, it's just an expression of our gratitude, knowing you own it all. And you don't need it, Lord. We just need to give. So, Father, we just ask today you'll speak to each individual heart. May you be honored and may you be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hushers.
truly, just being in your presence, Lord, just singing these wonderful words causes our hearts just to rise up to you. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful, wonderful words we've sung this morning in so many different ways about you and to you. And Lord, now as we come to your word, we just pray that God the Holy Spirit will open it up to us. In my weakness, would you be my strength? Father, I pray that as I teach, you'd teach me. Lord, this is your word and it's all about you and we give you the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, would you turn with me today to the book of Jude? The book of Jude. Wayne, it's Father's Day. I know, but we preached on Jude on Mother's Day. <laughs> so turn around, it's fair play. Snakes Around the Water, that's the uh, title for our whole study in the book of Jude. Today, since it is Father's Day, I want to slant it a little bit and call, Rise Up, O Men of God. Rise Up, O Men of God. We're going to be looking at Jude 12 and Jude verse 13. Only one chapter. Now, to get us into this, make sure that we have gleaned from 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and now again from Jude, and from the Truth Project that we're showing on Wednesday nights this summer. Truth, you have to, must know what truth is. If you don't understand that, everything falls apart. Truth is who God is, and truth is what God says in His Word. Now, false teaching, on the other hand, is that which distorts, that which rejects, and that which exchanges the truth for a lie. You've got to understand now, false teaching begins with denying Jesus as the Son of God. One of the most dangerous places for the hearing of false teaching is in the home. Humanism and false teaching has many different pulpits, but the most dangerous one, the one that's most overlooked, is in the home. When you find a mom and a dad who give lip service to the fact that they're Christians, but who do not love truth, do not study truth, do not get into truth, and do not, have, do not walk in the truth, you have a huge problem. What you have are breeders of children that will grow up to believe a lie. Now, I love sports. I've loved sports since the day I was able to play. I've participated in just about all of them. But what's happened is we've got the tail wagging the dog in the 21st century. We've got parents who are more in love with sports than they are with the Lord Jesus Christ. Soccer, to some people, is a much greater priority than the Word of God, truth being in the home. For centuries, the church has been blamed for the ruined families across America, I guess because if you live in America, that's sort of the norm, isn't it? That everybody has to blame somebody else for whatever takes place. America seems to be the place where no one takes responsibility for their own actions. It's so odd, and it crops up everywhere, that parents actually expect the church to do their job when all the church is, is we're to come alongside and to assist them in doing theirs. When I was in youth work for 14, 15 years, I've said 17, 14, 15. Actually, it was about 150. <laughs> I tell people that was my 40 years with the sheep. Moses just thinks he had a hard time. He didn't have youth work for that period of time. 
But you know, one of the biggest problems I had when I was in youth work, we'd come back from a camp, we'd have a great Bible study, we'd see kids give their hearts to Christ, all these wonderful things. We'd come back home and we had parents that would not live the convictions of their own children. They'd pour cold water on, oh, you'll get over it. It's just a season you're going through. It'll get better. You see, this is, this is part of the problem that we're in in our day. False teachers who teach false doctrine and Jude warns us about them in his epistle could easily be stopped if they were families, Christian families, would live what they truly say that they are. The biggest problem with false teaching is people listening to it. We have seen how that a false teacher has several different characteristics, but we've also understood that only when you're walking in truth can an individual begin to discern those characteristics. You see, if when a person's not living in truth and living out of truth, then he doesn't have an understanding nor discernment as to when others are teaching false things. Jude has shown us very distinct characteristics of these false teachers. And it's beginning in verse four, he calls them ungodly persons. No respect for God whatsoever, who turned the grace of God into licentiousness, who refused Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who based their false doctrine on dreams and visions, who defile their own flesh in sinful living, who reject any authority in their lives, who blatantly reviled even angelic majesties, who did not understand the seriousness of what they were doing, who lived as animals with no limits to their sinful behavior. And that's pretty strong. But he's not finished. The last time we were together, he, we talked about that he's, he's, he's compared them in like manner to three different people in the Old Testament. One was Cain, who thought and cared only for himself. To Balaam, who did what he did for profit. And to Korah, who knew no authority but his own. Now today what he's going to do is to show us again that there's no substance in anything that a false teacher says. There's no substance to his life and there's no substance to his message. He's all show and he's no substance. He gives five more illustrations that are from the world around us, from nature. We would call it nature. From the creation around us. He gives us five illustrations to show that these false teachers are devoid of anything that's beneficial to others. First of all, he says, their message has within it a hidden trap. The, their message has within it a hidden trap. He says, these are the men who are hidden reefs. Now, the word hidden reefs in the Greek is the word spilos, and it refers to a rock or a sandbar that's hidden up underneath the surface to where the ship cannot see it, and it's going to bring destruction. When it hits that, it, it causes the prop to be broken and, and other things. And so it's, it's, it's something you cannot see. You can look, and, and it looks beautiful but there's something hidden right up underneath it that's gonna bring a destructive end. Now, when it's used figuratively, like it is here, it refers to the false message that they have about one's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is gonna cause it to be, end up shipwrecked. Uh, fishing rivers, for instance, is a dangerous thing. In, in, in Tennessee, when I was living there, it went on down into Alabama, they had the Tennessee River. Well, you've got Watts Bar Lake, whew, full of bass. TVA Lakes, which Tennessee Valley Authority, they get power from that. They have a huge dam, and then 
after you have Watts Bar, you have Chickamauga Lake where they had the Bassmaster Classic one year. And then you have a dam, and you have to go through the locks if you're going down, and then you go to another lake, Nickajack Lake, and then it has a dam, and then you go to Gunnersville, and each one of these are power sources for the regions around it. But fishing those rivers is a very dangerous thing. These are river lakes. And what you have to understand is there's a current that flows through it. And that current can carry all kind of debris. It can be a, a tree that has fallen down. It can be sand that has built up or whatever for a sandbar. Those kinds of, of hazards that you cannot see by the naked eye. You look at it and it just looks beautiful. But hidden right underneath that water could be a very destructive thing. And that's exactly what he's talking about. I have a good friend who's a bass master. He's a bass fisherman. He, he sells real estate, but that's just to put gas in his boat. He's convicted to go fishing no matter whenever I call, and so I, I hope someday to get back in that area. But he fishes these river lakes. He, he's really crazy. There's two boat companies that have refused to sponsor him anymore because he has broken the foot. You know, the foot is the bottom part of the motor. Has broken the foot off of at least two of their motors, maybe more. And the last time I was with him, he has a Triton bass boat. Very light, very hard to handle. You have to chine the thing to make it go straight. And he has a 225 horsepower V6 engine on the back of it. Now, you, you, I don't think you're looking at me like, so, so? It's a 21-foot boat with 225 V6 engine on the back of it. Now, 175 V6, I've gone, when I used to fish like that, with, I had one. It'd do 65 miles an hour. You're talking about bugs on your teeth. I mean, this thing will fly. And when you trim it up, you're not touching anything but the, the props, the only thing touching the water. <laughs> and if people really understood that, I think they would go slower. He was fishing one of these lakes, Old Hickory Lake, matter of fact. Uh, up near Nashville, and he had a certain place that he would always cut through. And he always tell me about it. I've been over that cut with him, doing it very fast. But I'm grateful I wasn't on it this particular day. He had that 225. What had happened was a log had come down the river and, you know, had, had hit a shallow spot and just jammed there. But it was about eight inches under the water. You couldn't see it. He's been across that area how many times? And here he comes. Wow. And he doesn't have but two speeds, and that's fast and faster. And he hits that shallow part, and he said, oh, this is a piece of cake. I'm going fast enough. It'll carry me right across. Not knowing that underneath the water there was a hidden reef. And he hit the thing, and it tore the whole bottom of the motor off. It's, a, it's by the grace of God that he's still living. I told him it was because he wouldn't repent, and God's just having to deal with him. But you understand what he means by a hidden rift. You don't see this. You don't walk up and say, wow, I see something in your teaching that can bring destruction. I'd like to listen more to you. No, you don't see that. You don't even know it's there. Tim, Paul had a very similar thought in 1 Timothy 1.19. It's a different context, but it's the same thought. When he warns, he says in verse 19 of 1 Timothy 1, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Now, obviously, these hidden reefs, again, are not seen at first glance. So the verse helps us. There are these the men who are hidden reefs in your love feast when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves. Now, the word love there is the word agape, and it, it's, it's generally used in the context of the Christian family that draws 
us together. Now, these love feasts that he talks about here seem to refer to the evening meal that the believers would eat. Now, this is in the early church. They would eat a meal together, and then they would prepare to take the Lord's Supper. So it was a love feast. It was when the love of the body of Christ would come together, and they were coming to celebrate the Lord's Supper, but they would have a meal before that they would take the Lord's Supper. These immoral and corrupt false teachers had no fear at all. They weren't bashful when they showed up for these sacred celebrations and they involved themselves with the people. They, they were stains, as Peter tells us. They stained the whole time together for the believers and they had no fear of anybody when they did that. Now Jude continues and says, when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves. Now here they are, just having the best time. Hey, Pete, how you doing? Hey, Ralph, good to see you. And walking around, gathering people that would be enamored with them and their personalities, when in reality they're only caring about themselves. They only fed themselves. They never thought about feeding others. They were like hidden wreaths waiting for the unsuspecting to fall prey to their deceptive doctrine. They only thought about themselves. And what they had to say had a destructive nature to it that you can't see right up front. You know, if you're going to be a steamboat captain on the Mississippi River, you have to know, first of all, not just how to pull the boat in or, or to dock it or not dock it or, or what, how, to, how to sail it. What you have to know is where the sandbars are. And in fact, one person stopped me after the first service and said, matter of fact, on one river, they have a river captain who's not on the boat, but he's somebody that goes with the ship and has to point out everywhere they are where the sandbars are because you just can't see them and they move and they're not always in the same place. So their message had within it a hidden trap. Now let's say something else about their message. Their message had nothing in it that would quench thirsty soil. These false teachers were all show and no substance, and you must understand this. They had a charisma. They had a way when they were in front of people that would draw people to them, but they had no substance to anything that they said. And remember, anything that they said was destructive in its nature. Jude says, secondly, they were clouds without water. The word clouds is the word nephili, and it refers to a small cloud, kind of like it is here in the desert. You see a little bitty cloud coming, and you think, wow, maybe there's some rain in that. And, and that's kind of the idea. Without water, it means exactly what it says, without water. It's the word anudros. It means without, ah, uh, and then uh, udor, which is the word for water. You know, one of the things that first impressed me when I moved out west we moved to Reno first for three years, and I was in full-time conference work before I came to be the pastor here at Hoffmantown Church. And the first thing I noticed was it was, was not green, that it's brown out here. You know, and I want to tell you something. I have come to love brown. So when I go back home and I say, brown is beautiful. I was at Ridgecrest, and I was so, we take a shower and walk out and change clothes, and you're still soaking wet all day long with the humidity and the bugs and the skeeters and uh, mosquitoes, excuse me, mosquitoes. But one of the things I noticed out here, and particularly the first time I noticed it was in Reno, because we lived kind of high up like we do here, and I was becoming into town for whatever reason, maybe going to the office that we had there, and I would notice all of a sudden it was green. And the day before, it had been brown. And then it dawned on me it had rained during the night. 
And isn't it interesting how quickly things green out here, just put a little water on it. That's all you have to do. Just throw some water on it. It's going to turn green. I've noticed some more, more of the rain that we've had. You know, we, we say monsoon. That means four drops in the month of August. But, you know, I've noticed when it does rain how green everything is. And you just get the picture, thirsty soil, thirsty soil, parched. Give me water, give me water. And here comes a cloud. Ooh, there's hope in that cloud. Well, there was no such substance to these false teachers. They came across as if they were bringing water. They came across as if they had hope written all over them. And they could, they could quench the thirst of a parched heart. But nothing more frustrating than a false hope, and that's all they are. Interestingly, the Jews believed, and this is just a cultural thing, that evil spirits abode in the desert where there was no water. And I certainly can understand why they thought that. The book of Proverbs clearly identifies these false teachers having no substance. In Proverbs 25, verse 14, he says, Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of his gifts falsely. Well, in fact, Jude says that there are waterless clouds that are carried along by the winds. We well, you know that's how a cloud moves in is there's a breeze, there's wind that carries it. The word carried along, peripheral, comes from peri, around, pharaoh to carry, has the idea of almost picking it up and carrying it like a bearing it around. On summer days in the Middle East, just like it is here in the high desert, clouds can sometimes be approaching land and giving so much hope of rain, but all of a sudden an air current will pick it up. And that air current, when you thought it was coming straight at you, turns it and goes a, another way. It would pass on. It would result, instead of resulting in fresh rain that just quenches parched ground, it resulted in actually an excessive heat. That wind begins to blow and almost sucks the water with it, and it leaves you even more parched than you were before. It's almost as, as if he's saying these false teachers instead of being clouds with rain are nothing more than big puffed up hot air. And when they come in, they don't have anything to say, even though everybody's flocking to hear them. They don't understand that what they say has a destructive value to it. They don't understand that nothing in it can quench the parched soil. Their message had a hidden trap in, in it. Their message had nothing within it to quench thirsty soil. Thirdly, their message had nothing in it that would feed or would nourish. Much less quenching the soil, it had nothing to feed or to nourish. These men, again in verse 12, are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feast when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds. And then he says, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted. Now, Jude next says that these false teachers were like autumn trees without fruit. Now, the word autumn, I couldn't find it in the Greek text. Now, why would he say autumn trees if the word autumn is not there? Well, the word trees is simply the word uh, dendron, which is tree. Why would he say autumn trees? Well, there's a reason. Because they are trees without fruit. And this would signal the fact that this is the end of the harvest season. And not only does it come there and they've lost their leaves, but they didn't have any fruit on them at all. Nothing that people could be nourished from, nothing that people could be fed from. No leaves, no fruit. He says further, they're doubly dead. Figuratively, this tells us that there was no spiritual fruit in these false teachers, nor would there ever be any. They were twice dead. 
The word doubly is the word this, it means twice, and the word aponesco means to die off, twice dead. Uprooted is the word ekrizo, and it, it, it has a picture drawn for us if we understand their culture. Farmers would dig up the trees that produced no fruit, and they would destroy them, so they were twice dead. They had no fruit, they were dead, and then they destroyed them. Now, it really makes you want to go out and hear a false teacher, doesn't it? <laughs> Oh, but Brother Wayne, there, there's so many wonderful things they're saying, and it makes me feel so good. And I, I get chills on my arms, and I, I just feel so good until I go out into the parking lot and get in the car. They're hidden. Their message has within it a destructive power. Their message has nothing within it that would quench any thirsty soil, and it has nothing in it that can nourish, has nothing in it that can feed and that's what's so important, only the Word of God. Only truth can do that. They've walked away from truth. Fourthly, they spread their shame everywhere they go. In other words, they leave a path behind them of broken lives and of ugly living and all these types of things. Verse 13, wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam. Well, it's just, the imagery here is incredible. The word wild is the Greek word agrios, and it really refers literally to that which belongs out in the field that grows wild. It's turbulent, it's tempestuous, or, or tempestuous, tempestuous. <laughs> oh, these words are wonderful, aren't they? You could, according to some scholars, translate this as stormy, stormy waves. You ever been on a beach right after a storm? And that nice-looking sand beforehand, and all of a sudden there's debris everywhere you look. That's the idea. The word waves is the word kuma, which is that which is not only a rolling swell, but it's that which, as it rolls, is pulling up and casting out. It's, 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 it's bringing dredging off of the bottom, that which is there. And the idea of casting up. These stormy, turbulent waves cast up bits of filth and debris on the shore uh, in the, like foam. It, it's... Uh, right after the storm. Dinah loves to go to the beach. I like to go to the mountains. If I go to the beach and put a bathing suit on, I look like Shamu the whale. <laughs> so if we go out walking, it's in, in the dark. <laughs> what is that thing walking down? But, but I've been there many times when that storm has come in. And the filth I mean, all kinds of stuff comes up because it dredges it off of the bottom. And just that beautiful white, especially down in Destin, Florida, in those areas, that white, beautiful beach is now just garbage. It looks like somebody's taking a garbage truck and dumped it on it. That's exactly the imagery that he uses in this passage. False teachers spread evidence of their filthy, e evil doctrine and lifestyle. Everywhere they go, they leave a trail like filth and debris on a clean, sandy beach. I know there was one revival quote that was supposed to be going on in mid-America. And a friend of mine, after it went on for 12 and 14 and 16 weeks, and everybody was saying, revival, revival. And they called a friend of mine whose message is on giving, and, and he's, he's been able to help a lot of places understand what giving is. And they called him and said, Bill, will you come up here and do a meeting for us? He said, I thought you were already having revival. And it got quiet on the other end of the line. They said, revival my foot. They said, we're so many hundreds of thousand dollars in debt, we can't pay our debts, but everybody's looking over that and calling it revival. They have left a trail. 
You see, that's sort of what happens. You, 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 they look good. They say it the right way, it seems. But if you don't have that discernment as to when truth is preached and when truth is not preached, then more power to you because that's exactly the prey that they're looking for right there. Like filth and debris on a clean, sandy beach, they leave their trail. Casting up their own shame. The word shame, there's several words for shame, and this word is skinny. It means disgraceful shame. If you were, it's so, so much disgrace that you'd want to go off and hide in a corner, let nobody see you. This shame is the evidence that is foamed up in their wake. So once again, do you want to listen to a false teacher? Their message has within it a hidden reef of destruction. Their message has nothing in it that can quench thirsty soil. Their message has nothing in it that can feed or nourish. They spread their shame of their ungodly living and their ungodly message everywhere they go. But then fifthly, finally, they're destined for eternal darkness. Now, we've already known that their judgment's coming. We've seen that earlier in the chapter. But he brings it up again. And I love the imagery again of the words he chooses. Jude, Jude continues and says, Wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. Now the word wandering is the word planetis, and it talks about a planet. Now, even though now we know that there's order in the universe, but back then they did not. And so a planet was looked at as something that would just take off and wonder where it goes. Nobody knows. And it just, does it ever return? No, it never returns in fact, the word stars is the word aster, and is that which is a luminous body. And in their day, when they would look up and they couldn't seem to see the pattern, it was so beautiful as we see it today, but they couldn't seem to, they saw it as a mystery and they felt like this had to do with angels who were in control of the, the, the planets, but they disobeyed and therefore had been prisoned, uh, put in prison because of it. And so these planets have nowhere really to go. They don't know where they came from. They don't know where to go back to. That was their idea. The point to us is that these wandering planets, and what they would have said back then, have strayed from where they needed to be. Now, we know they don't stray. We know that, that all of that's under order, but they didn't. And so they had this idea, and it's a beautiful word picture for us, that truth is where they belong, but they strayed far away from that. It's nothing to do with truth, like wandering planets, he says, to describe these shameful people who deny truth. And he's telling us, again, that their, their doctrine is so far off center, and then, then he, he, he's just going to bring us to that judgment. You know, I'm not sure I'm getting across at how deceptive these people are. While they have enough charisma, and I hesitate to say this, they can actually be on television Wow, Wayne, you're on television. Mm -hmm. You better check me out. Now, there are good people on television, and there are some people on there that would absolutely, you should be ashamed for even listening to it. And, and, and the problem is Christianity doesn't seem to know the difference. We're living in a day when truth has been so distorted and truth has been so rejected, nobody knows what it is anymore. Well, they mentioned Jesus. He even cried on the program. Good night. We don't have, we, if you're not in the truth and of the truth, you don't have that discernment. And this is exactly what Jude is warning them about. Wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. 
The punishment for these wandering stars is black darkness. Now, I'm not going to go back to that. We have looked at that before. But then I, to me, what struck me is the imagery of darkness when here these guys are coming across as if they're light. And what a contrast. Yes, they say they're light, but, buddy, they're headed for absolute darkness, which has been reserved. And the word reserved is in the pre perfect tense, which means way back here, something was signed and something was sealed it is yet to be delivered. It's not going to change. They're headed, plunging headlong into eternal darkness. Wow, Wayne, listening to false teachers really is a blessing, isn't it? <laughs> Are you kidding? Their message has within it a hidden reef. Their message has nothing within it to quench thirsty soil. Their message has nothing in it that can feed or nourish. They spread their shame everywhere by their licentious lifestyle, and they're destined for eternal darkness. Now you understand my title of the message. Rise up, O men of God. If we don't start getting our families back up under truth, they're listening to this very kind of stuff. And this is why families are falling apart. Listen, I, read, I heard yesterday or read yesterday that 2,800 girls, 17 and under in America are getting pregnant every day. Now, where do you think that starts? Dad, do you realize that the first image of God that this, your child has ever had was when you held it in, their, in your arms when it was born? And the problem is, what are we teaching them? We have some friends that their family has fallen apart. And they called us the other night, long distance, and said, Oh, Wayne, we went to a revival. And I won't, I'm not going to name it. I'm not going to name people. I'm not into that. It was in the South. And they told me what it was, and I already know. It's the biggest joke I have ever heard for somebody to call it revival. And they drove three states to get there, and their family is falling apart. Can't you get it if you don't come back to truth hidden up under the message that you say you want to hear is a destructive reef that will bring all kinds of pain and misery to your family. Never quench your thirst. You'll be thirsting for what you're not even getting. You're hungry for something that's not going to be there. The shame that goes behind the scenes and all the other. I guess what I'm just wanting to do today is to, Dad, I'm one of, Dads, I'm one of you. And I have grandchildren now. And Diane and I have taken that as a personal responsibility. Of course, they have wonderful parents. But just to come alongside and every time we can, and even when they come to our house and we're watching something on television and something will come up, I'll put it on pause and we'll talk about that. Now, what was that of God and what, what, what of that was not of God? Do you know the difference? And if we're not doing that, Jude says that we get what we choose to have. So men, rise up, O oh men of God. I'm certainly not out to get anybody. I'm in there with you. Let's join hands and rise up together. We need to take ground back that was taken when most of us, and all of us are guilty to some extent, got more into this than we did what is truth and what would ground our kids. Right and wrong is one thing in your house. They go to college, that right and wrong changes. Good and evil never changes. It's what God says. The good news is, God has grace and God has mercy. If you've messed up, I'll be the first one to raise my hand. I can look back and just shake my head. 
God can pick you up right today, begin to bring healing in whatever's happened in your family. But men, we cannot turn the spiritual leadership of our families over to our wives. We have got to be the spiritual leaders of our family. So rise up, O men of God. Understand what it is that wants the minds of your kids. And stand in the gap and live it before them. And we can put arrow down so fast to make your head swim. <sighs> By the way, I love you. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> we got a challenge in front of us, don't we? And I'm with you. Would you stand with me, your head's bowed and eyes closed? Terry and the group will be coming in a moment. And when they sing, that's not for us to sing. So just keep your heads bowed and listen to what they're singing, though. What they're singing is always so appropriate. My, 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 my challenge to you this morning, guys, there's good, there's good fathers and there's godly fathers. Which one are you this morning? There's good fathers as far as the world goes, and there's godly fathers. Which one are you this morning? And I know that God's grace is sufficient. God's mercy is overwhelming. You can't do it. God never said you could. He can. He always said he would. This could be the first day of the rest of your life for somebody. Maybe some father that's here that doesn't know Jesus Christ. You've never bowed and received Christ into your heart as your Lord and as your Savior. And you'd like to come this morning even as I'm talking say, I want to start the rest of my life. Well, it's amazing what he'll do in and through you. But if you'll come toward me and go to my right and there's a, and your left, double doors there where there will be people to pray with you and counsel you. Maybe you want to join our church. You don't know how. Go to the same place. But maybe like in the first service, you just need to come to the altar and find the grace that God has for you. Listen, forgiveness is there. You might have blown it with a child. You might have completely messed up. God says, hey, let's take the first step now in a different direction. And let me be the healer in that situation. And the mercy of God is so incredible to put families back together. Maybe you need to come this morning and even to pray for somebody or pray for yourself. Nobody will bother you down here. Nobody will question why you're down here. That's between you and God. So as Terry and the group lead us, just listen to what God's trying to say to you. Thank you. 
thank you so much for helping us again, even in this song, to recognize that so often we're looking for answers in the wrong places. Thank you, Father, when we come back to you and come back to your word, we find exactly what we've been looking for. We find in the word and we find in you nothing that would deceive us. We find in you that which quenches thirsty hearts. We find in you and in your word that which feeds and nourishes our soul. We find, Father, no shame in you whatsoever. We find, Father, exactly what we need. And I pray, Father, as we leave today, we, being people who love the truth, would live it in such a way that false doctrine would pale to non-existence. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you join hands together? And let's just uh, sing together. And uh, thank you for coming today. I hope you have a wonderful Father's Day. Terry's going to lead us in this song. Think about what the words are saying. Think about what he's saying. Can't find it anywhere else. Doesn't matter what it is. Just listen. Father's Day, and may God use each of us this week as his vessel to do through what we could never do ourselves. I love you. God loves you. Thank you for coming. See you next time. Lead us by